I've been working very intentionally on getting comfortable with including more of myself in this journey without the fear that it would discredit what I do. I've always thought, gosh, if they knew the mistakes that I've made and that I am making presently, currently in friendships, would it discredit me? Would people think, oh gosh, this girl is sharing the research and giving insights, but she has some relationships herself that are a mess. And I've gotten increasingly comfortable with understanding that like, yes, that's all of who I am. And I'm on this journey with you. There are so many mistakes that I have made in my friendships. So many things I've done that are not okay. And because of those mistakes and what I've learned, it has allowed me to develop new insights on how to engage with the women that I love. And so today I wanna to do something a little more personal and share with you what those four new behaviors and mindsets are that have changed the dynamics of my friendships because my hope is that it has the same impact on you. So if you're ready to finally have better female friendships, then let's jump in. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. So there are four behaviors that I have adopted over the course of the past five years that have allowed me to experience better female friendships. Here's the first one. To stop the expectation that her life choices should mirror my own. I think that intellectually, many of us would say, well, of course I allow my friend to make different choices. Like, of course I respect if we disagree on certain things and have different views on certain things. I think most of us would very quickly say, of course, I allow her the space to be her own person. But the research suggests that it's very important for women to have similarity and symmetry in their friendships and that we have a lot of expectation of this, not only in our romantic relationships, but in our friendships too, more so than men. And I'll, I'll share more of that research that I think is so interesting in my upcoming book, tentatively titled Fighting for Our Friendships to be released next spring. But for now, I always wonder about the implications of these findings. So if it's true that we expect that our friends be similar to us, what happens when we start to determine that they no longer are? And this could be for a myriad of things. And, I, and I'm sure you know, because you've probably lived it the same way I've lived it, but whether it's her health choices and the things that she chooses to eat and drink or her parenting choices, moms, come on now, keep it real. As soon as you find out a friend is allowing her kids to do certain things and you're thinking, oof, gosh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know how I feel about her letting her baby do whatever. XYZ. Okay. You know what I mean? The choices she makes about who she partners with or how she spends her money. These are all things that we're going to say, well, of course I understand that she's going to have different opinions and behaviors than me. But what happens when there is a divergence of opinion and behavior? Do we find ourselves emotionally withdrawing? Do we find ourselves getting kind of judgy? Do we find ourselves trying to persuade her to see things the way that we do? which she can receive as control and judgment, right? What happens when there is a divergence of opinions and she lives her life in a way that you would not choose for yourself? Do we find that we tend to conflate those choices with interpreting deficiencies in her character, right? So like if she lets her kids do this or she makes these choices with a romantic partner, we start to question the, the kind of person she is, which makes it more difficult to reconcile with someone if we've determined that they're so unlike us in the first place. Okay, so 
I still have to coach myself through that today. Trust me, I'm certainly not trying to take a position of like, here's how I'm getting everything right. I'm doing it today. I did it this weekend. I'm not going to put my friend on blast like that. But this weekend, there's something I realized that I see differently than a friend and she's making choices in a certain arena in her life that I would not for my own. And it's so tempting to be like, wait, how could she see things that way? Like, girl, who is this person? Why would she? And I have to catch myself. Now, sure, we're not saying here that our friend's choices won't impact us. As soon as you enter into relationship with somebody else in any capacity, you take on their stuff. You can't help but to have your life touched by their stuff. That's that's what we do, right? But I'm just encouraging us to question the degree to which we expect her choices to mirror our own and what tends to happen after the discovery is made that she's choosing differently for herself. Then what do we do next? Something to think about. Okay. The second behavior that I've adopted that has allowed me to experience more joy in my female friendships is to express affirmative boundaries. Now, if you've been listening, you know that recently we did a whole episode on this. I've shared it on TikTok. I've shared it in a couple different places now. It's on our blog, I believe now at betterfemalefriendships.com, which we update every Tuesday. But affirmative boundaries is a concept I created. And the idea is that a lot of times when we give boundaries to people, they experience it as rejection. It's not, but on the surface, a lot of people do, even with our friends. And so we are therefore reluctant to erect boundaries because it feels mean, even though it's not. So one way to help us not feel guilty about it and one way to encourage a person to receive it well is to offer affirmative boundaries. That means you're giving them your form of yes whenever they make a request or they exhibit a behavior with you. So for example, if a friend is asking you to do something you don't wanna do instead of just saying no, even though no is a complete sentence, you offer your form of yes. So if they are kind of popping off, like y'all are getting into it and they're raising their voice, I want to show you that, yes, I want to continue this conversation with you because you're important to me and I want us to figure this out. Instead of, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. Like we're just going to shut it down right here. So as an affirmative boundary, I might say, hey, I want to work this out with you because you know that you matter to me. You know I want to figure this out. It's just really hard for me to connect with you when you get heated like that. And so do you mind if we circle back on Monday? That's when I would love to like keep this going. The subtext of the message there is this relationship is important. I want to maintain connection with you. And so I'm packaging all my words in an affirmative way that I'll say, yes, yes, you matter. Yes, I love connecting, but I'm going to connect with you in this way. And again, for more examples, please listen to a recent podcast episode that we did on this. But being comfortable expressing your limitations to your friends and packaging them in a way that affirms and reassures her that, oh yeah, we're good. You and I are good, but here's my limitation. Here's my form of yes, okay? And it's not gonna be in the way that you requested because I don't have it like that to give, okay? Being comfortable expressing that allows my friends to have more respect for me allows me to feel comfortable and and sharing what feels good to me and what doesn't and to ultimately create an environment where we all feel safe because everybody feels comfortable saying what they will and won't do without fear of consequence okay the third behavior that i've adopted that has allowed me to experience more joy and freedom in my female friendships is to set an expectation of direct communication now because we have such strong intuition and we have such a strong emotional antenna right? Where we can sense when a friend is not doing okay. Even if she tells us she is, we can sense certain things. We just, we just pick up on things like that, right? Because we do that, sometimes we read into things and we find ourselves driving ourselves crazy because we're trying to make sense of her subtext and her meta messages and all this stuff. It's too much work psychologically. I think sometimes that works to our benefit. 
I think sometimes it works to our detriment. So if I have a friend who I sense that maybe I've turned her off in some way or I've ruffled her feathers, which I'm going to do because I'm a fallible human and she's not feeling good about it. And I can tell because she's starting to give one word answers or she's being a little more standoffish than normal. If I say like, hey, are we good? Like, are you, are we good? I sense a shift in you. Like what's going on? And she tells me, yeah, we're good. I'm going to say, well, okay. And I'm going to keep moving forward in our conversation. This doesn't mean I don't care. This doesn't mean I'm going to ignore clear signs of body language or things like that, that my friend is upset. But we also can't put ourselves through the psychological distress of trying to decode all of her messages because she's uncomfortable with expressing plainly her needs, desires, and boundaries. And on the other side of that too, I feel comfortable saying, okay, can we talk about what happened yesterday? I don't do it all the time like I should, but for the most part, trying to hype myself up and remind myself to talk about things as soon as possible. I recently failed at that in a recent friendship issue, but for the most part, I really do try. And as much as you can each commit both individually and relationally to speaking your heart and to saying what's on your mind, the less room there is for confusion, the fewer misunderstandings there will be, and the more safety and security you will have in your friendship. There will be less anxiety, I promise you, because you can relax in knowing, I know I'm friends with somebody who I can trust to share her honest opinions with me unprompted. She can rest in knowing that she's with somebody who's going to share with her unprompted and directly the things that are on her mind. So it creates security and it removes anxiety for everyone to speak plainly and openly instead of trying to give passive aggressive body language in the hopes that it will intimate our true desires and concerns and that she'll pick up on it and somehow magically know. The quicker we're able to do that, I think the more joy we'll be able to experience together. And finally, the fourth behavior that I've adopted that has helped me to have better female friendships is giving myself permission to romanticize my friendships. And I don't mean putting your head in the clouds and pretending everything is great. I don't mean it in that way. But what I mean is we tend to reserve romantic gestures for romantic partners. But when you look up the definition of romance, it speaks to excitement and mystery and delighting in someone. Something that we tend to, again, save for the person who we see in a romantic way. But what would happen if you gave yourself permission to exercise some of those behaviors in your friendships. And I can't stress enough, we're talking platonically here, right? That's the only context we ever explore here on the show, but platonically. So saying things like, wow, you look really beautiful in this light right now. Like I'm, I was thinking it, so I just wanted to say it like, you look really pretty. Or to send her a text bright and early in the morning that says, you know, was thinking of you yesterday, wanted to reach out and say, I hope you have a beautiful day to tell her she looks beautiful, to tell her, okay, so I want you to get ready at seven o'clock on Friday. I'm coming to your house to take you somewhere that I know you're going to freaking love, okay? So like a surprise date. Why is that something that we're only allowing ourselves to experience if we have a romantic partner? What are the non-sexual ways to integrate more romance into your friendships? And how might that take those friendships to the next level? And by next level, I just mean unlocking a new level of affection, appreciation, and delight into that dynamic. It's just something to think about. As your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I want you to think of a current friendship that you have that you would like more depth in. 
a woman you know well enough whose company you enjoy and you'll have a good time, but you've always been curious about ways that you can know her a little more deeply and be known by her a little more deeply. And I want you to reflect on the four behaviors that I've just shared with you today. Are there any of those that if you started to integrate them right now today in that friendship would create more depth? Once you do it and you allow yourself permission to like start integrating this fully into y'all's friendship, I want you to come tell me about it on Instagram at Danielle Byard Jackson or at Friend Ford. Or of course, you can come visit us anytime on the website at betterfemalefriendships.com. Until then, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.